2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Hold the traditions that you were taught. Psalm 145, verses 4 through 7. We have heard this many times this year, and we're going, or last year. It's hard to say that, isn't it? You haven't heard it at all this year. You're about to. Psalm 145, verses 4 through 7. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your goodness and sing of your righteousness. I'm going to read that from the Emphasized Bible. Generation unto generation shall celebrate thy works, and thy mighty deeds shall they tell. The splendor of the glory of thy majesty shall they speak, and thy wonders will I utter. And the might of thy terrible acts shall men speak, and as for thy greatness, I will recount it. The memory of thy great goodness shall men pour forth, and thy righteousness shall they shout aloud. For the next few moments this morning, I'm going to title this message, Black Eyed Peas and Other Traditions. Black Eyed Peas and Other Traditions. You may be seated. The American Heritage Dictionary defines tradition as follows. Tradition, the passing down of elements of a culture from generation to generation, especially by oral communication. It is a mode of thought or behavior followed by a people continuously from generation to generation. It is a custom or a usage. It is also a set of which of customs and usages viewed as a coherent body of precedence influencing the present. It is a heritage. The tag team duo of Miriam and Webster, they add this little bit that I just had to read to us this morning. Tradition is the handing down of information, of beliefs, and customs by word of mouth or by Example, from one generation to another without written instruction. These seven words, by, mouth, by word of mouth or by example, that is how a tradition lives on. As we begin another year, it is amazing to me that we are already in 2023. It feels like it was just... Christmas last weekend. See what I did there? Technically it was. 
We celebrate, but time is flying by. And we are already at the beginning of a new year. And as I begin to look at another year, I begin to study about traditions from other countries. Because believe it or not, it's not only that the United States has a new year, it's for the entire world. We are not the only ones with traditions. In Brazil, a new year is regarded as a time to reflect upon the past and make new resolutions for the coming year. Everyone wears white because the color itself signifies luck and prosperity and it's meant to ward off anything that would be bad in your life. Colombia boasts an array of New Year's traditions. They're intended to bring fortune and prosperity to anyone that is willing to participate. They say that party goers will carry empty suitcases. And at midnight, they have those with them in hopes of inducing a year that is full of travel. And they also keep money in their pockets and in their hands. So that will also attract financial security for the coming year. They, they believe that beans are there to bring them good luck and affluence. So many of them bake beans into their rice or they just put beans in their pockets. Some traditions I'm okay with not having. The Dutch New Year traditions are marked with fireworks, fantastic explosions. And then uh, there's another part of this that I'll get to in a minute. But fireworks are triggered across major cities for hours at a time. And it's described as a chaotic burst of lights. Then this is the part. Cars are also set on fire with Christmas trees. And it's means to purge out the old so that they can get new. It's easier just to take your car to a car lot and trade it in than it is to set it on fire. Just trying to help someone out. The Swiss, they believe they can channel good luck, wealth, and abundance by, this is just hateful, they drop ice cream on the floor at midnight. People will line the streets in colorful costumes and perform all these ceremonies and they're all out there and then they will drop ice cream at midnight. It's just horrible. Why would you drop perfectly good ice cream? Because they want good luck. It is. The Swiss may drop ice cream, but America, we drop a big, massive, lit-up ball. New Year's traditions in America, they come from a variety of origins and beliefs. And In New York City, fireworks were banned, and so they got together in the early 20th century and they, the organizers, they said, you know what, we've got to have something to celebrate. And so they came up with a 700 pound ball and they lowered it down a pole. And it's now become a tradition to watch the ball start dropping and count down the year's final seconds. I saw an article this morning that popped up in my headlines that said CNN missed the ball drop for the central time zone. So we don't even know if it's a new year yet if you were watching CNN. Growing up in the South, we had our own traditions. We, we knew about the ball drop in New York City, but that's just New York City. We had our own thing growing up down there, such as eating black-eyed peas. Ugh. This was not a tradition that I was a fan of, but... For the longest time, I didn't know why that people would do this. I, I didn't know what it meant. All I knew is that they did it at New Year's and it was supposed to bring good luck. And I'm telling you right now, just I'm letting everyone know in case you're wondering, I am not a fan of black-eyed peas. Uh, 
I don't like black-eyed peas. I don't like English peas. I don't like snow peas. I don't like sugar snap peas. I, I don't like split pea soup. I, I don't like any kind of soup, Sam, I am. I just don't like them. So in the South, they thought they were sneaky and they thought they were, they were smart and, and they would do something that's just, it's just almost evil. They would take and they would cook black-eyed peas into something that was just good and they would ruin the entire thing by putting black-eyed peas in it. Like somehow they're going to, Brother Cameron, sneak some good luck onto your plate. They would look at my plate and all off to the side there would just be all of these black-eyed peas that were just sitting over there. I was even asked one time, don't you want good luck? I said, yeah, but not if I have to eat black-eyed peas. It's traditions to bring good luck. And so I, I began to study. I was like, you know, it's one thing to just have everybody tell me that I need to eat black-eyed peas, but I need to know the reason behind it. I need to know why they would ruin a perfectly good recipe. I, I need to know why that they would put black-eyed peas. And, and so I, I, I began to study and I began to look. And I found an article that was undoubtedly written by a Yankee. Someone from just the, the way up north. And I'll explain why I know this. But she describes why southern people have this tradition. Corey begins her article with this line. Southern superstition holds that people who eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day will be blessed with a year's worth of good luck. How dare she? Superstition? She's never been in the South in her entire life. It's not a superstition. Apparently, it's real. It's true. It, it's not just something we do. You just know it's a tradition. It's what we do. And so I began to just not trust anything else in the article. And after I read that one line, I said, she doesn't even know anything she's talking about. And I went back just to make sure, and she has no idea what she's talking about. There is a legend, however, though, that credits, and I found this in multiple places, that the legend comes from, the Civil War. And according to the story that I found, Union soldiers, they would ignore black-eyed pea gardens because when the northern soldiers came through, they would find and they considered black-eyed peas as food for animals. They destroyed all other crops. They destroyed everything else except for the black-eyed peas. And when families were starving, they went out into their garden, and the only thing that was left for them were black-eyed peas. And they lived off of black-eyed peas. They learned how to mash them into all kinds of things. They learned how to use them because there was protein. There's all of these, these ingredients, and, and the soldiers left that alone. And so from that moment forward, it was considered a slave food. It was considered for the animals. It, they, they looked down and they just completely disregarded that. And because of that, the South was able to eat. And now you know the rest of the story. And I stand before you this morning able to explain to you where the legend of the black-eyed peas comes from. This morning we have traditions of our own. We have traditions in our own life. We have things that we like to do at New Year's. We have things that we like to do at Christmas or at the 4th of July. We all have our own traditions and some of them have been handed down from generation to generation. This year we were standing in a store and I don't even remember what store that it was but Kim looks up and she sees the hard candy sitting there on the shelf and she said, my grandma 
grandma would put these out every single year. So what did we do? We bought a bunch of that candy, and we put it out on our calendar. And when our family came over, they said, oh, mom used to put this out. I remember when grandma used to put this out. My sister has a dish that my grandmother put out the same stuff. And my aunt, every year now, she, she gets and she gets that candy and she gives it to my sister so that they can keep the tradition of the hard candy alive. That candy, you know, the kind that whenever you put it in a bowl, that if anything happens, it's just all one piece when you put it out after, after Christmas. It's just a big, massive ball of candy. We all have our own traditions. We have our traditions of how we like to do things. We have our traditions when we come to church. We have our traditions about how we like to act and where we're supposed to sit. We all have our traditions, but Paul tells us, uh, he talks to the church at Thessalonica and he says, stand fast and hold the traditions for which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Traditions or paradosis, it means the handing down or the giving over. It comes from the root word paradame, meaning a transmission. Paul said, I need you to stand firm in what you believe and grab a hold of what we have transmitted to you. I need you to get a hold whether it was in letter or whether you heard us preaching. I need you to get a hold of it. And this morning we're living in a time like I never imagined I would see. As we begin 2023 and look back over the last year, it seems as though everything that I believe America stood for is being challenged. We are watching Scripture happen in real time. We're watching Isaiah 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. We're watching this happen before us on a daily basis. We're living through Ezekiel 22. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art a land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There's a conspiracy among your prophets. And in the midst thereof, they're like roaring lions ravening the prey. They have devoured souls, taken pre- treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows. Those in the midst thereof, her priest have violated my wall, my law. They've profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed any difference between the unclean and the clean. They've hid their eyes from my Sabbath. They've profaned my name among them. Her princes in the midst are like wolves ravening the prey. They're there to shed blood and destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have daubed with untempered mortar seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when God has not spoken. The people of the land used oppression. They exercised robbery. They vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. When I look and I begin to read these scriptures, I see that if there has ever been a time that the body of Christ has got to stand firm in what we believe, it's now. It's not a time that we begin to look back and say, let the world do what it wants and the church is going to do what it wants. No, we better grab a hold of what we've got a hold of and we better let it lead us and guide us. It's not a time to back down. It's not a time to let go. It's a time to stand firm and say, thus saith the word of the Lord. It's time now to 
worship like we've never worshiped, to pray like we've never prayed. It's time to be holy. It's time to be righteous. It's time to be what God has called the church to be. It's time for us to stand firm in what believe we believe. I ask us this morning, do we really believe in what we say we believe? Do we really believe that it's separation from the world? Do we really believe that it's heaven or hell? Do we really believe that we've got to be separated and come out from among them? Do we really believe that it takes holiness to see God? Do we really believe it? Or is it just a tradition? Well, that's just what I've heard my entire life. So, oh no, we need to believe it. We need to believe it. And I'll tell you why. It's because this world needs hope. I'm not preaching this this morning to make us feel bad. I'm preaching this this morning to start off 2023 on the right foot and tell us the reason we've got to be this way is because the world is broken. The world needs us. The world needs hope. The world is looking for someone that will say right is right and wrong is wrong. They're looking for someone that will not just destroy them, that will not just try to push them down, but will let them know with love there is a right there is a wrong there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine the world needs hope it doesn't need a church that changes its message to fit the current the current world order or narrative I was talking to a friend of my father's this past week and he just looked at me and he said he said, Brother Hooker, he said, he got in the church right after my dad was there and he was telling me of the story of stories of messages that my dad preached and I'm just sitting there listening to this man tell me and he, he just looked at me and he said Brother Hooker I guess I'm from the old school I just still believe that it's right and wrong I still believe that God is on the throne I still believe that we have to be holy and righteous and I just looked at him and I said I'm going to use the words that Brother Braswell told me he looked at me and he said Greg school hasn't changed because God has change. We've got to live right. We've got to live holy. It's not about old school or new school. It's about what's acceptable. It's about what's right. It's about what thus saith the word of the Lord. It's about holiness. It's about the word of God. This world will tell you one thing and then go and do another. Everything changes from day to day. There's a narrative and oh hear me Ephesians 4 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head even Christ we're going to preach the truth but we're going to preach it in love I'm not going to change what does say at the word of the Lord just so I can make someone happy but I'm going to preach it and I'm going to let them know in 
love that there's still hope for you, that there's still peace for you, there's still forgiveness for you. It's time for the church to be genuine. It's time for the church to awaken. It's time for the church to be alive. We've sat back long enough. It's time for us to rise and say, it's not a tradition, but it's thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to awaken you because the world is broken. The world needs hope. They need a church that is alive. People can spot if it's fake or not. And I know that I've, I know they mean, they mean well when they tell me these kind of things, but I've had ministers, I've had people tell me, oh, just get up there and fake it until it's real. Believe me, I, I can't fake it that good. Because without him, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And the world is not looking for something. They have that on every corner. They have that on every website. They have that everywhere that they turn. It's fake. It's fraudulent. It's got a, a form of godliness, but it's denying the power thereof. They're able to come in and feel good about themselves, but they're leaving unchanged. And they find themselves in just a moment of time saying, Why am I not changed? Why am I not different. Oh, I'm accepted by everyone around me. Everyone around me is inclusive. They're saying everything's okay. The world is looking for someone that will say, I love you where you are, but I've got a way out of where you are. I've got a way out for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got a peace for you. I've got something more than just telling you everything's okay. Sometimes I wonder if their messages are not like those recipes. We want to try to hide some black-eyed peas of goodness. We want to try to hide some black-eyed peas of repentance. We want to try to hide some things in other recipes. Oh no, the world can spot it. They can spot it, and they're not looking for someone that's trying to hide when they're broken, when they're worn down, when they're weary. They're not looking for someone that's just going to tell them everything's going to be all right. They're looking for someone that knows how to pray. They're looking for someone that can touch heaven. They're looking for someone that knows what thus saith the word of God. They're looking for someone that's real. They're not looking for someone that says, Thus saith the Lord, when he hasn't said anything. They're not looking for someone that's just going to try to make them feel good. When they're broken, they need someone that's going to give them a way out. They need someone that's going to love them. People want to know if what you claim if there's any power in it or if it's just smoke and mirrors. Why do you go to that church? 
Why do you pray? Why do you do the things? Why do you live a separated life? Why are you doing everything that you're doing? Is it because that preacher preaches things and he's trying to scare you into hell? I told someone this week, I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm here to let them know how much God loves them. That's why I do what I do. I'm not doing it so I'll miss hell. I'm doing it because I love him. I'm doing it because he loves me. And when I encountered the love of God, I encountered something that cast out all of my fear, all of my doubt, everything that I've ever done. I got a hold of something real. It wasn't a tradition. It wasn't smoke and mirrors. Oh no, they're looking for someone that's going to walk up and say, such as I have, give I thee. Rise up and walk. But if I don't have it, I can't give it. If I don't have it, I can't give it to them. I sat at my desk last night and this morning at 5 o'clock this morning. And I'm in there trying to trying to get everything to come together. I'm trying to get everything. And I begin to think about it as they walked in and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee. When they reached down and grabbed him, there was strength that came to him. And he jumped up. And where he was, they pulled him out of. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, you've got to be willing to reach to where they are. You've got to be willing to reach to where they are. If you're not willing, you can walk by and say, Oh, I've got it all together but I'm not going to reach to where you are I need you to get to where I am and then we can have a conversation oh no I need somebody that's willing to say oh I don't have everything but what I do have is touched with an almighty God and I'll get down where you are I'll grab a hold of where you are but I'm not leaving you there I'm going to pull you up and out and when you're on your way out there's strength for you there's healing for you there's restoration for you somebody has got to care enough to get their hands dirty. Somebody's got to care enough that it's not just church as usual. Such as I have. The spirit of this age is saying acceptance. If you don't accept me for who I am, Acceptance, acceptance. But the man that was broken at the gate that couldn't get inside. See, because he was broken, he was not allowed. He couldn't get inside. The man at the gate was saying, I'm not willing to accept my brokenness. See, they're there and the world is saying the church has got to accept everything. But the broken ones are saying, I'm not accepting where I'm at. I'm looking for hope. I'm looking for someone that will care enough to reach down to me and pull me where I am and bring me into a newness of life. They're not saying accept. They're saying help me out of where I am. Don't tell me your tradition. Don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you've got a hold of. Show Show me that you've got power. Show me that you care. Don't 
care about how, how you could cook your black-eyed peas. I just want to know, is it real? Is it real? Ezekiel went on to tell us, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And I found none. God said all of those things are happening. Everything's going on, Ezekiel. And I, I looked everywhere. And I couldn't find anyone that cared enough to stand in the gap. Can I tell you that... And I saw it. That's not some random just looking for something. That's not just something that whenever you're like, oh, honey, where are my keys? And, and she says, well, where did you put them? And I said, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. It, it's not one of those kind of conversations. When you look this up in Scripture, it says that it was a burning desire, a longing. He said, I have a desire. I need for someone to care. He said, I have a desire for someone to stand in the gap I'm looking for someone that will care enough to offer them a way of escape is there anybody one translation says he begged for someone to stand in the gap a living loving God Begging for someone to care. Don't tell me about your traditions. Bethel, don't tell me how long you've been here. Greg, don't tell me how long you've been in church. Don't tell me what you've seen. Don't tell me about it. Don't tell me that. Show me. Show me that you care. He's begging someone this morning to care. We're not offering empty suitcases. We're not offering empty promises. We're not offering something that, that we don't know anything about either. 1 Corinthians 6 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. You were the broken. You were the lonely one. You were the one that was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. I know that was probably hard for some because we don't, we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that that scripture is talking about me. But we've all been broken. Do you want to know the context of that scripture? It gets even rougher. You sure you want to know? Nobody answered, so I'm just going to believe that you know, that you do. He said, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Don't fool yourselves, those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or any male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But that's right, Brother Marty, were were but now you've been washed that's what I'm talking about this morning it's not who I it's not what I was but it's who I am now that's why I can look down and say I've got hope for you I've got peace for you it's who I it's not where I am but it's where I'm going it's not where you are but it's where I can bring you because such were some of you such were I I was one of them I was broken and I was lost and now I've got a newness of life. And if you're willing to walk with me, I can introduce you to a man called Jesus. It's not a tradition just with vain words that's been passed down. No, it's real. It's new. It's life everlasting. It's full of glory. It's the joy of the Lord. It's everything I need and more. That's how you can be moved with compassion is because such were some of you. Have we forgotten who we were? Have we forgotten where I put my glasses? I did for a minute. I can see far away. It's close up. It's a problem right now. The eye doctor said, do you want bifocals? I said, Lord, no. Help me, Jesus. At least let me get a five in front before I start doing all those things. He said, well, how long is that next year? And I said, oh, come on. This was two years ago, Brother Jack, so, man. We look at our life and we wonder, Paul's pretty specific, and I wonder if we remember who we once were, who, that, who we once were, and we look around, and I want us to understand that's how the world is going to feel hope from you, because you're going to have to tell them who you once were, but not to the point that it's just like, oh, I was in this, and I was in that. No, you let them know, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and it wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole, and he Somebody let somebody know there's hope for a broken world. There's hope for a lost world. There's hope for somebody. And it's not just tradition. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. Why and how can you say you know it's real? Because I've been broken. I've looked for him. Oh, Job, I feel your brother. 
I look to the left and the right and I, I don't know where you're at. I, I can't find you anywhere. I'm looking in the front and the back. I'm looking northeast, south, and west. I can't find you anywhere. But then Job goes ahead and says, but he knows the way that I take. That's how I know that I've got a God because I may not be able to find him, but he knows where I'm at. It's not tradition. It's not a story. It's hope. It's hope. Tradition. The handing down of information. Of beliefs and customs. By word of mouth. Or by example. There are some things in my life. And I can just preach about me because I know me best. There are some things in my life that nobody had to tell me about because it was modeled before me. And I'm going to try to be nice the best that I can. But when I was young, I knew there was something about the altar Because it wasn't just the sinner that went when the pastor called. It was everybody. We all went. It was an example that they would walk. There were some that they couldn't make it all the way. And I know we've got some of you are here. You come as far as you can. And, and you sit. No. But I remember those that I would look at them and I would know. Even as a child, I could look and I could say, that's a man or a woman of God. Why are they going to the altar? But I'm understanding now that they were just setting an example that says there's hope in this altar. There's hope around these altars. There's hope around this front. There's hope here. You can find forgiveness here. You can find what you need here. We didn't just leave the sinner out by themselves. No, when they came, they didn't have to worry and wonder if anybody's coming because the body was already there. Somebody's got to say it's not enough to come. I've got to set an example. It's not just by word, but deed. I've got to show somebody. I've got to let them know this is where you find hope. That's why we worship. That's why we lift our hands. Yes, it's to create an atmosphere, but it's also to show those around us not just emotion it's not no it's worship to a holy God and so this is what I want us to do on the first day of 2023 this is going to be my mantra generation unto generation shall celebrate thy works and thy mighty deeds shall they tell and verse 7 the memory of thy goodness shall pour forth shall men pour forth and thy righteousness we are going to shout aloud 
I'm not going to just hold it in. I want someone to know of his goodness. I want someone to know of his mercy. I'm going to be an example. I'm not just going to tell them how to worship. I'm going to show them how to worship. I'm not just going to tell them they need to pray. I'm going to show them how to pray. I'm not just going to tell them what it means to have a relationship. I'm going to live a relationship in front of them. As a musician come this year, this entire year, we are going to celebrate his works. We are going to celebrate his works, his goodness. So when he moves the mountain in your life, tell me because we're going to celebrate his works. When it happens... We're going to celebrate his works. Why? So that the person that's sitting beside you that has a mountain in their life are going to know it's just around the corner that my mountain is about to be removed. Oh, it's not here yet, but he moved theirs. It's one step closer. We're going to celebrate what he's done. Because someone is watching. Someone is watching. As we were, as I was talking to this friend of my dad's, he started talking about this evangelist, Brother Steve Cole. And he started talking, he remembered me being at the revival and as a little kid. And as soon as he said it, I remember my mom telling stories of how that apparently he was full of energy and he liked to get up on furniture so he would get up on the pews and he would preach I'm going on a diet tomorrow so just it's a sign and for those of you that have not paid attention there are Christmas cakes back there and maybe some chocolate Sister Sandy there's some chocolate out here she was letting me know would you please take those when you leave back to the Holy Ghost please God he would get up on stuff he was apparently a lot lighter than I am but my mom would tell stories of me being at home and I would get up on the furniture and I would just preach I didn't probably didn't have a text or anything I might have I don't know probably not though it's probably like one of those Wednesday nights when I get up there and I was like I don't know what I'm doing help me Lord and if you don't know what I'm talking about you just need to come on a Wednesday night and find out but there was something, she would tell the stories, and we were even talking about it. That She said that I would preach what he had just preached. He didn't come and talk to me. No, it's just as a child I'd watched and I'd learned. Someone is watching. Someone is watching you. In the middle of your brokenness, they're watching you. In the middle of the mountain, they're watching you. No matter where you are, they're watching there's a Bartimaeus out there somewhere that's watching you. <clears throat> he may not be able to see, but he's heard. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can we stand? He was surrounded by people that were telling him, 
Shh, be quiet. Except where you are. He was surrounded by people that were just, they didn't want to be bothered. They just wanted him to just be quiet. But old blind Bart just said, ah, you don't know what it's like to be where I am. Jesus! El have mercy on me. And I love how that when Jesus stops, all of a sudden the attitude of the crowd changes. Oh, hey, he's calling for you, buddy. But Bartimaeus, I love what he does. The Bible says that he takes off his coat. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. What identified him as a blind beggar. He said, I'm not going to need this anymore. Because when Jesus calls us, he calls us from where we were to where he is. And when we get to where he is, what we were once identified by, we don't need that anymore. Because I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And all those people that once saw old blind Bart sitting around and they would even say, hey, blind Bart, oh, I'm not blind Bartimaeus anymore. I can see you just fine, buddy. I know exit. And they're like, what happened? I come in contact with a man called Jesus. Everybody else tried to get me to be quiet, but they didn't understand where I was. And all of a sudden, I've got a new jacket. I've got a new lease on life. There's somebody watching. See, he couldn't, he couldn't see, but he could hear. Someone's listening to your words. Somebody's listening to the traditions that you're handing down from generation to generation. And they're wondering, is it really real? And then suddenly, Jesus comes walking by them. And they begin to cry out. And all of a sudden, they realize that what they were telling me about is real. It's not tradition. It's not just something, a story. But it's real. I'm not going to need this anymore. I'm going to ask if everyone would come to the front. Please. Because this is how I want us to close this service. Is I want us to first ask God to remind us of who we were. And I know he chooses to forget. I know all of our sins are under the blood. I know. But the Holy Ghost works. I want us to ask him, God, remind me. Remind me. Because I want to be reminded of how much you loved me. 
And then when we remember, I want us to make a declaration that I'm going to walk from this place. And it's not just going to be vain traditions that's been handed down from my fathers. No, it's not just going to be word of mouth that's been handed down. But I'm going to walk and model your goodness in front of people. I'm going to tell of your goodness. I'm going to tell of your mighty works. I'm going to celebrate from generation to generation. Lift your hands with me all across this house. God, there are, there are saints in this house that have lived for you longer than I've been alive. I am thankful for the example that they have set before us. Because without them, God, we would not be here. It is their prayers. It is their sacrifice. Generation upon generation, we stand upon their prayers and sacrifice this morning. But God, I ask that you would remind us, remind us all, that such were some of us. And even if we never lived lives like some may have lived, God, still without you we were lost and undone. And we know what it's like to feel the weight of sin lift off of our shoulders in repentance. God, I'm asking that you would remind us God, not for condemnation, not for guilt, but so that we can experience how much you loved us fresh and anew.
sing it with her. It's amazing grace. 